Hello and welcome to Tech Talks in the Silicon Forest, a podcast with host John Boone, president and founder of ProFocus Technology, an award-winning technology staffing and consulting company. Now on this episode, John interviews Mark Farley, vice president of information technology at Thermo Fisher Scientific. Thermo Fisher Scientific is a world leader in serving science with annual revenue of approximately $35 billion. The company has more than 90,000 employees developing innovative technologies in areas like life science solutions, specialty diagnostics, analytical instruments, and laboratory products and services. In this episode, John and Mark talk about the intersection of information technology and the world of science. We have a lot to cover, so let's get started. Hello, and welcome to Tech Talks in Silicon Forest. I'm John Boone, your host, and today we are happy to have our guest, Mark Farley, the Vice President of Information Technology for the Analytical Instruments team at Thermo Fisher Scientific. Mark is involved in both the information technologies and development of new ways to work that help Thermo Fisher's customers push the frontiers of science. His company propels science forward into practical products and services that make those scientific and industrial advancements beneficial in our daily lives. You may not have heard of Thermo Fisher Scientific, but you've almost certainly benefited from their products and services and potentially in life-changing ways, such as the diagnosis of a disease or the relief from a test where you or a loved one learned everything was gonna be okay. They make many things, including analytical instruments used in multiple industries and material science research in public safety in semiconductors and life science research in drug testing in manufacturing and others. They're a big company. As just one example of a company's reach, we've all seen photographs of the coronavirus, and there, there's a good chance that the photos that you've seen came from Thermo Fisher scientific microscopes. And they also are involved in coronavirus by helping the manufacture vaccines with Pfizer and Moderna. Welcome, Mark. We're happy to have you on the show. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks, John. I'm glad to be here and look forward to our conversation today. Yeah, me too. Yeah, well, let's get started. Um, you know, it's really uh, interesting how, you know, your job in IT is really brings science and technology together. You know, I think, uh, you know, a lot of techies, you know, think of, you know, are kind of have a science aspect to them. And it's really interesting the way you're working in science and information technology at the same time. I'm kind of curious what, uh, you know, what kind of exciting trends are you seeing there at Thermo Fisher Scientific these days? Certainly one trend that, that I think everybody sees right now is, is just the, the speed and pace of change within you know, what I call the COVID era. era. Uh, we, you know, we, we see a lot more willingness to change and it's a high pace of change. So, and it, it isn't limited to just COVID, but really in virtually every area. So for Thermo Fisher, we do a lot of work in serving science, you know, and the confluence of, of the technology and how it's starting to interface with science is, is really amazing right now. Yes, so interesting. I know it's um, like it usually, you know, you know, someone's in high school or, you know, going to college trying to decide on a major and they, you know, you think about, oh, should I be in science or should I be in information technology? And it's just so interesting that, that you are in both. And um, I'm curious about, you know, how does it feel and, you know, what does it, 
how does it feel to be in science and information technology at the same time? So I, th I think number one, it's awesome to be working with so many incredible people, right? Not just in IT right now, which I think is really booming and, and we're seeing a lot of progress being made, but also, you know, in my case, across the company, being able to work with some amazing scientists and, and business people. Um, I've, you know, I've really been able to and, and enjoyed bringing my talents, not just to the, the traditional IT work here, but also to really think about how we can take the benefits of IT and, and help them to accelerate scientific work. You know, one, one thing that I, I remember, and it, it's really, it's, it's incredibly humbling, was somebody sent me a, a, a link to a, a PBS special um, around the lab that uh, invented the, the COVID-19 vaccine. And it, it was work that was being done by, by Dr. Jason McClellan at his lab at University of Texas, Austin. And about midway through in, in the background is one of our cryo-electron microscopes, right? The kind that's capable of, of imaging it at like the atomic level. And, and the narrator at that particular point referred to it simply as the big science machine, which I thought <laughs> was pretty cool. And then, then of course they called it out as, as a marvel of physics and engineering. And wow, right? You know, that, that was yeah. so, so outstanding. And, and yeah, so there, there were, we're looking at that thing and it's not even one of our biggest instruments. It's, it's one of our mid-range tools. And, you know, they, they later sort of showed that. But really the work that they were doing and, and that particular instrument was part of how we characterized the virus and, and particularly the spike protein so quickly. And you've seen reconstructions of that, you know, in the press and in the images, as well as, you know, that shape really drives how you create the vaccine. So I, you know, I thought that was really cool because that's, you know, really taking the practical aspects of work that I've done, you know, with these teams over a long period of time, you know, certainly I didn't invent the microscope, you know, I participated in supporting the business and, and really helping where we could with, with some of the information and analytics pieces, but, you know, driving that kind of science is cool. And, you know, Thermo Fisher in particular is a, is a mission driven company. Our mission is a simple one to help our customers make the world healthier, cleaner, and safer. So being able to help our customers do the IT work, support our amazing, amazing employees is really a great way to get out of bed every morning and, and to, to uh, be out there, you know, trying to make a difference. Yeah, what an interesting way to think of science, you know, healthier, cleaner, and safer. You know, that's really, that's really a motivating kind of a reason for, you know, to get into science and to, to get into information technology around science. And that's really, really neat. And a cryo-electron microscope, that's, you know, that's a serious uh, piece of equipment. I know that you guys have so many different pieces of equipment for measuring things and seeing things and looking at really, really small, small <laughs> things like atoms and maybe even smaller than that. Um, that's really great. So you guys have, you know, been really busy with COVID and you guys have been doing a lot with, with helping to fight the COVID battle, haven't you? Uh, absolutely. I, you know, I, I think Thermo Fisher has, has been active in, in most, uh, really most aspects of, of trying to help rid, <laughs> not, maybe not rid, because I think it's with us forever, but help the world, you know, to manage the COVID um, pandemic and, and the future. And that, that goes across any number of categories, right? Our distribution businesses were helping get stock to hospitals and to, to laboratories. 
you know, we talked about the analytical instruments and, and the, the difference they're making. We make laboratory equipment. We make diagnostics and testing kits. So if, you know, if you've gotten a COVID test, there's a chance it's, it's one of ours. Um, and of course, you know, all of that, you know, is driving research and production of, of different, uh, different uh, therapeutics and, and vaccines around the world, which is, which is great, right? You know, we've been there pretty much along the way and it's been an incredible, but very tiring um, journey. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, well, you've got all the engineers and the researchers out there, and of course, all the customers using your tools and things. And so, how do you how do you feel like the IT function has has contributed to the the COVID battle? Yeah, I I think we've done a a few things along the way, right? Everybody, I think, pretty much everybody in IT has a story around you know building the workforce and getting them to remote. And it, we started in China. Um, fairly early on and, and, you know, scaled those capabilities to tens of, tens of thousands of our employees, you know, we saw huge increases in the amount of conferencing time, you, you know, going from, you know, a couple hundred thousand, you know, minutes to nearly a million minutes of conferencing in, in a short period of time, you know, working with our, our vendors, uh, you know, and I remember having like daily calls with Cisco and, and others um, along the way. It, we also really put a lot of effort into keeping our promises to our customers, especially in terms of how we support them um, and making sure that they were able to keep doing the critical work that they were doing. So we, we really ramped up our, what we call our digital remote uh, support capabilities for our customers and, and trying to find new ways to, uh, to keep them, them going. And of course, our, our businesses, right? We did did huge work in, in building up immersive automation, e-commerce, and other other capabilities there. And, and I think on top of all of that, I, I was really proud of our, our IT teams around the globe because they really kept their commitments to all of the other work that we were doing. And I, I think that, that speaks well to IT as a profession and certainly very proud of my team for, for the work that they've done. It's been an exciting time for IT and, you know, like you said, helping the, the whole economy transform and what an important time for you to be making, you know, your tools available for researchers to keep moving forward and, and fighting this COVID battle. Um, it's really interesting. Um, I know when we talked earlier, you'd mentioned, you know, how important analytics are becoming. And I was, um, you know, not only can instruments, like it used to be that, you know, people, a scientist would, you know, run an instrument and it would take readings and things like that. But now that data is being collected, pooled, analyzed and shared. Um, I wonder if you could tell us a little more about that. Yeah, that, that's a great question. And it, it's one we've spent a lot of time looking at. You know, as, as I said a little while ago, we, you know, the PBS special kind of highlighted the, the work that we were doing around or the work that the researchers were doing to be to be specific around looking at how to characterize the spike protein but all of that generates a lot of data and and i think more than ever and i think this is true in, in most industries the, the equation of data equals value continues to really really grow but in science particularly being able to use more and more of those data streams and connect them together is yielding, I think, some really interesting results. You know, the, the pace of change to get to a vaccine, a lot of the ongoing um, work that the, the scientists are doing. It, you know, if we think about that, though, we, we generate, you know, 
huge amounts of data to, to the point where in some of our teams, I, I kind of refer to this as the large data problem. The, the data sets have become so big as to be difficult to even transmit. So, you know, we have a lot of work that we're doing, you know, to really think about the analysis, you know, much of which has to be done where the instrument sits, how to build the IT infrastructure and solutions needed to drive those outcomes is, is a different type of challenge than I think we've seen before. So, um, you know, we're, we're really seeing some, some great opportunities there to work alongside our, our product management, our R&D teams, you know, directly trying to solve problems for our customers. And that's, that's, a, that's a great, great shift. And of course, the, the same applies internally in terms of, of what we're doing, whether that's collecting telemetry data to support our customers, building up more traditional analytics to support our businesses. And, you know, the, all of that generates, uh, I think, a lot of great conversations and certainly has, uh, has been uh, a lot of work that, that I've done with, with our different teams. Yeah, so what's telemetry data? That's interesting, you mentioned that. Yeah, so we, we think about telemetry data in terms of, we have a lot of equipment in the field, that equipment is doing something so capturing the sensor outputs on, on that equipment, trying to think about the types of applications that we can use that for, whether that's for just, you know, how do we take care of our customer if they have a problem? You know, how do we send an alert, for instance, if somebody leaves a door to a freezer open so that we can notify our customers that, you know, potentially things would thaw? Um, all the way up to, to more sophisticated examples where we might be looking at, say, vibration that's going on within an instrument that's doing an experiment so that we can alert the scientists that, you know, that, that particular part of the experiment might need to be repeated. Yeah, interesting. Wow, that's great. Um, so, you know, we mentioned, we talked about the, you know, the, 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 all the data and the analytics that are happening. What, what other trends are you, are you seeing in your work there? Uh, that's an interesting question. If I think about it, maybe two main main areas that I would talk about. One is really related to the, what we were just discussing. There, there's a theme towards connecting everything, right? The IoT technologies and a, a lot of the ability to kind of look at um, the work that's being done really in real time, you know, how that data connectivity comes together and, and brings data across workflows is driving everything from improvements to say manufacturing execution for say a, a, a pharma line um, where they're trying to drive up, up capacity to you know newer sort of cross analytical techniques. So I, you know, I think that that provides a, a whole new set of context for what's being done. It, it allows for control of things like robotics uh, et cetera. And so, you know, being able to use that to diagnose performance, to drive, you know, line level automation, to pick up, you know, and, and utilize scientific data across different kinds of workflows is, is super impactful and, and super interesting, right? It has impacts to our business internally, as well as to our customers. I, I think the other piece that goes with that, you know, and it's, it's pretty well aligned to it is really how we think about then um, algorithmically processing data, you know, the advances in AI and a lot of the other components are, are opening up paths that didn't exist. We can, you know, we can find, you know, needles and haystacks that maybe weren't there before. And, you know, I, I keep looking at different case studies from different researchers who are, who are taking traditional techniques and, and using them in new ways. 
and in turn, you know, being able to drive really more experiments and, and create, you know, force acceleration type of, of work by, you know, having some of the experiments done virtually so they can pick the ones that are most likely to be successful. And that, that is super cool, right? I, I really love that in terms of the work that's being done. Um, I know it's interesting that there's some terms come after that I haven't heard before, such like algorithmically processing. It's kind of hard to say, but uh, what what does that mean, algorithmically processing? Why does it why is it named that? Uh, well, it's probably just my over characterization of what I think most people <laughs> would call AI. <laughs> you know, yeah. In terms of the, the statistical analysis, some of some of the data science. Um, capabilities, but when you get down to it, uh, you know, and uh, you know, I work with a lot of amazing people. They, they're creating new types of algorithms to to analyze these, to improve the quality of data that may may not have been at the quality level um, that they were looking for to find insights in the data and, and the work that's being done. So, um, you know, all of that can be applied to any type of workflow, right? It could be as, as simple as predicting the failure of an instrument or, you know, all the way out to very, uh, very complex scientific applications, like how do I do protein folding um, to, you know, to simulate the characteristics of a protein based on different types of data sets and how would that, you know, could that apply to an experiment? So, um, pro probably overstated in, in the way that I, I put it together, but it, you know, it's, it's the, really the, the additive nature of these, these new algorithms and data processing techniques is, is you know, doing some, some great things and you know, watching our, our teams and, and our customers use that is, uh, is, is super cool. Yeah, that is cool. Yeah, well, I guess it's that science, you know, that science mentality that's kind of seeping into everything. Um, I know it's an interesting way to think of it. Think of, you know, our, you know, running algorithms against other industries, you know, running algorithms against your business data, running algorithms against your customer data. And it's kind of an interesting way to think of, of analyzing your data as opposed to maybe running reports or some things like that. I like that. I like the concept. Um, yeah, so certainly as well. We, you know, we do all of the, I'll call it the usual IT components. You know, we, we have our, our various teams taking care of our, of our infrastructure, of our ERP systems, CRM systems and whatnot. But, you know, being able to get the context of how your actions work end to end, um, you know, gives, gives a, a better, I would say a better perspective to the teams on, on where we make our priorities and some of our calls. And certainly, you know, drives the, the interest in making sure that, the, that everything is working well and that, you know, we're able to take, take full advantage of the IT capability, whether that's internally or, you know, drive productivity or other applications or more broadly to, uh, to work with our customers. Yeah, great. Um, so, you know, you are, it's such a large organization and, you know, you have so many empl employees reporting to you as it's curious, you know, what's it like to, to be a VP at such a large organization? I'm sure that a lot of our listeners maybe work at smaller companies and things. And just curious of what it's like to be a leader in such a high position at, at such a large company. Uh, I suppose I, I, I look at it, you know, I'm, I'm responsible for one of the, one of the business groups within the company and you know i really look at it as is making sure that i'm doing everything that i can to support my teams and and my businesses 
So in, in that respect, right, I, I very much see my, my job is to ensure the success of others, whether that's my, my customers. Um, and I think that that's a, a theme that at least throughout my career has resonated regardless of what position I'm in, right? You know, I, one of the reasons I enjoy doing IT is it gives you an ability to make a change, to make a difference every day. So, you know, I spend a lot of time trying to figure out how do we use our technology and such to, to drive advantage? You know, what does that look like from a strategic perspective? How can we use that to help the businesses, you know, profitably scale as, as well as, you know, if there's customer impact or other work that we're doing there, but, you know, and I, I rely on a, on a fantastic team and group of people to, to make me successful. So, um, you know, that, that's kind of how I, I look at my job is, you know, is, is really focused on ensuring that the success of, of my team and ensuring the success of, of my business and therefore my customer beyond that. Yeah, that's, um, uh, I know it's, it's interesting. You know, I've always been a smaller company person. And so it's always interests me to, you know, how it, what it's like to operate in a, you know, like really big company like that. Um, just switching gears just a little bit, um, you know, I'm, I I'm sure there's, you know, a lot of people, maybe they're, maybe they're younger, but maybe they're, maybe they're not, maybe they're older, but that have an interest in mixing their interests in science and information technology. And I'm curious, you know, what, um, if, if you have any advice for like up and coming techies with regards to how to kind of blend their career of information technology and science. Yeah, I, I think a couple of thoughts, you know, come to mind. So one is that I, I you know, I started with a background in, in engineering and, and computer science and was working on and assumed that I would be working on, you know, large network systems and operating systems for my career. But, you know, that, that path has taken a number of turns. And, you know, through that, I ended up in a, in a very science-oriented company. So I, I get the opportunity to learn every day. And I think there's, there's, especially right now in the marketplace, there's lots of opportunities to get, to get involved in, in companies because there, there's a, a whole number of, of open positions and, and ways, to, uh, ways to connect. You know, clearly if, if you were coming into the field, you know, any type of bioinformatic or, or you know, laboratory management uh, type of, of system, whether that, that's in, in an analysis capability or you know, data analytics capability is, is a logical Starting point, you know, if you have some of that background, I think there's there's plenty of opportunities right now in, in both science and industrial applications. Um, you know, and and you know, especially for those who who are you know skilled from a, a programming development standpoint, you know, we do a lot of work on things like real time operating systems. You know, the the electron microscopes are a great example of that. You know, the the beam control systems and everything else require great computer science. They require, uh, you know, a lot of machine control and, and other um, skills and capabilities, which which gives another avenue to get in there. So, you know, I, I come at it with a little bit of a bent, you know, from being a computer scientist, uh, you know, and, and uh, a business person out there. But uh, that uh, that'd be a few thoughts off the top of my head. Yeah, that's interesting. You mentioned bioinformatics, and I wonder if you know, not everybody knows what that. I think we all assume what bioinformatics means, or we all, if we heard that name, that term, we assume, I wonder, do you, do you know, you know, like, can you give us a little more information about bioinformatics? 
Well, I think it's, as I said, I, I, I think that's probably more targeted towards those that are coming through an academic um, field, but, you know, in a, in a strict sense, really targeting, you know, the, the information around uh, different, different biological systems, processes, workflows, et cetera. But any type of really, you know, data analytics is in high demand right now. And I think opens up a lot of possibilities. The, the key is that you just, you need to be able and, and willing to learn. Um, even in my own position today, I, I would, I, I, you know, I, I learned something new many times a day, you know, different types of techniques, you know, a, you know, reading, reading articles that we've done, you know, where we've worked with, uh, with researchers to, to find uh, new, new ways to do things of, often requires some research on my part, because I'm, I'm not a scientist by, uh, by trade. Yeah, thanks. Um, I was also curious, you know, about if, if you had any advice for people that really want to grow in their career, like what if somebody wants to become, you know, a VP of information technology at a large company like you, what, what advice would you have for them? Oh, wow. That's, that's a great uh, question. Uh, a few thoughts. So, you know, my own experience is that as much as I, I kind of thought there was a straight line in my career, it, it's been anything but that. You know, I've I've taken a number of, of twists and turns through different industries, you know, everything from very technical work to consulting work to now what I'm doing in terms of, of managing uh, within a larger company. I, you know, some of the things that I've learned along the way, you know, one is not to get too tied up in, in job job titles right you know I've, I've run very successful initiatives with large teams i've run very successful initiatives with basically no direct reports um, certainly i've learned a lot of uh, a lot of lessons through that process so you know i'm a, I'm a big fan of, of making sure that you have you know the right approach that you learn the lessons that you're, you're up front and you know always trying to do a great job but willing to admit your mistakes and I would say, you know, one thing that I've learned in doing a lot of mentoring is, you know, a little bit of stakeholder management and, and some influence in there will, will go a long way. Uh, you know, in terms of, of how to get to a position like this, you know, I've, I've really seen three things be successful, uh, you know, on top of just the, the general willingness to, to learn and, you know, be, be open, be curious, you know, and, and really do your best. Um, the, the three, three, probably the three biggest paths that I've, I've seen people grow in is, as I've gone through my career and, and some of the things that I've done is, is one, you can always become the, the best at what you do, right? And really build up that subject matter expertise because teams will tend to form around you as, as, you, as you build that uh, capability. I, I think second would be um, every, everyone always needs people who've got good program management skills who can get initiatives done and as you develop that track record, I think it opens a lot of doors in terms of, of where you can go. And of course, third one is, is to start a little bit more towards the business or, or sort of general IT management functions and, and kind of move up the ranks, right? You know, taking on increasing levels of, of responsibility as you go. But, you know, the, the thing I found mo most successful in that is, you know, making sure, especially if you're early on in your career, that you're asking for the opportunities, that you're, you're developing that track record and really making sure that you've kind of got a good, good sense of what your brand needs to be and, you know, where, where you need to continue to develop.
Yeah, good. Well, thanks for sharing. Well, I'd love to talk about science and technology all day, but we are running a bit low on time. So I think we need to wrap up. Um, I wonder if anyone wanted to reach out to you, uh, like what would be the best way to contact you? Uh, LinkedIn is good. Um, I would say if you do send me a LinkedIn request, so give me some context for, for why you want to connect. You know, if it's if it's from this podcast or something, and and your your level of interest, because I, I get a lot of outreach uh, that way. But it's a good tool, and I, I try to get to it on a on a fairly regular basis. Yeah, that's a good tip for all the LinkedIn users out there. By the way, it's always include a a reason or a note in your invite. You know, instead of just sending an invitation, that's one thing I recommend to people. Uh, so. Anyway, so we've, I've really enjoyed learning more about you, getting to know you better, Mark, um, and uh, learning how information technology can be, is so tightly bound with science. I hadn't thought about that so much before, and it's really, really interesting. Thank you very much for sharing today with the audience. And thank well, you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, ahead, thank Mark. you. Not uh -huh. Much appreciated. Yeah. Appreciate the time today and, uh, and being able to kind of share, share my story. Hopefully it, it motivates others and you know, reach out as, as noted if, if you have any questions. Great, thanks. And thank you as well to the audience for joining us. Um, I look forward to sharing this episode with you and sharing future ones as well. So thank you. Thank you for listening to Tech Talks in the Silicon Forest. If you enjoyed the discussion, please subscribe to our channel, leave us a review, and tell your friends to listen. We'll see you next month.